This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Kate Andrews and James Forsyth. So tonight we will be expecting the first official Tory leadership hustings happening in Leeds between Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak. And you can get all the analysis from that on Coffee House, the Spectator's website. James, one thing that will come up in tonight's debate probably is about the energy crisis that's coming down the line because our new forecast saying that basically people could be facing up to £3,000 increase in their energy bills. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is, I think this is one of the, the, the biggest, look, I wrote in the magazine this week about how the new Prime Minister has the most daunting entree, whoever it is. And I think perhaps the most daunting element in it is this double-headed problem on energy, which is one, I think the price cap is going to go up massively. And, and, and I don't think that this leadership contest has yet addressed mm-hmm. what you have to do to deal with that size of problem. For people, and then I think the second problem, the second kind of element of this, is that price gap is going to go up again in January, most likely. I mean, there is no sign that energy prices are beginning to come down or tail off, and this winter you're going to see, uh, you are going to see Russia trying to use the energy weapon against Europe, which will which will put the European regional energy prices, which will catch the UK in this up to a very very high level and I think this is one of the things which is what are the candidates going to do when faced with an increase of this size because this increase is is looking I mean I think there was hopes when the government put together that support package uh, earlier this year but but you know but you might not need to do that much more this autumn because this autumn's increase in the price cap might be relatively limited it's now looking like this autumn's increase in the price cap is is going to be absolutely whopping Kate, this comes as headlines today also say that Centrica, the company that owns British Gas, has seen its profits increase fivefold during this whole crisis. So, I mean, that's a politically difficult message, isn't it? I mean, that these big energy companies are making so much profit uh, when ordinary people are struggling. It's a difficult uh, PR moment for the energy companies because, as you say, Cindy, they're they're raking in record profits. Unsurprising, really, because if the cost of energy is going up so substantially, their profits are going to be going up too. But I think we're in for another head-to-head between Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss because Liz Truss has come out today saying that she would not bring in a windfall tax to deal with these profits. Of course, Rishi Sunak, towards the end of his premiership as chancellor, did bring in a windfall tax on oil and gas companies and a really substantial one. He went way further than what the Labour Party was actually proposing he did. Now, Liz Truss hasn't clarified whether or not she's completely against windfall taxes and she'd scrap the one Rishi Sunak did or if she's against windfall taxes in the future. But this comes down to another philosophical debate. I have to say, when Rishi Sunak originally brought in that windfall tax, I I was extremely critical because I think there's far more at stake here than actually just Mm -hmm. taking those profits away. It's, It's a question about who money ultimately belongs to. Even the idea of excess profits, I'm not really sure, should be existing in the Tory party. But you raise a very important point, Cindy, about what the companies are actually going to do to manage this. And I I think there are two important things they have to make clear. Number one is how they're going to spend that money. And if you want to keep your customers on side and you want to keep the public on side, you shouldn't be forced to do anything. But actually, to Rishi Sunak's point, it would be quite good and nice Mm -hmm. if you were reinvesting that money, especially into the kinds of technologies that might be able to prevent this in the future. And also, 
you need to remind people that when companies do big payouts to shareholders, we're not just talking about like faceless wealthy people, you know, with their billions and their bags with money signs behind them. We're talking about pensioners, right? We're, we're, we're very often talking about normal people who are benefiting from those kinds of shareholder payouts. So mm. I think it's, it, it's very important that the companies make a, a compelling case and that they're on the front foot about this to explain what's happening. Kate, you mentioned philosophical approach just now. I also want to bring in the column that you wrote in The Spectator this week about trustonomics and whether or not it makes sense and how consistent it is. Can you, can you tell us about that? Because you've been thinking about Liz Truss's economic views for a while. Yeah, I have. And um, I say in the column that free marketeer types like me were so taken with her, so swayed by what she had to say, um, you know, sort of as she was rising up 2014, 2015, you know, all the way up to COVID, um, because she was one of the only politicians who would really take the side of the wonks that I was working with in think tank worlds. And, you know, I I am a wonk. And and I love the economic policy chat. And she was the one saying, you know, no, we we can shift the Overton window here. We can cut taxes and slash the size of the state. And it has been very noticeable to me as somebody who was so swept up in her rhetoric, sort of, you know, 2016, 2017, that now we have a Liz Truss, who is still talking about slashing tax and that's great the tax burden is way too high she's very conveniently dropped all the spending cuts from her leadership bid and is actually making some extremely hefty spending pledges that I don't see anywhere in the budget as to how we can meaningfully afford this it's great that she's talking about growth policy but I also don't see the growth policies that are going to enable us to afford this at least not yet and uh, perhaps part of the problem for Liz Truss is Boris Johnson got a lot of benefit of the doubt. He was just going to, you know, do all these things and make us a, a more libertarian country, and, and he did not. So I want to know, as somebody is pledging to do all these things, exactly how they're going to do them. The benefit of the doubt is gone. But trustonomics is now missing a really key ingredient that used to define her political philosophy, and that is that tax cuts are good, but you also ultimately have to shrink the size of the state and grow the economy to achieve it. And and there we have far fewer details. Although, as you and Katie pointed out in yesterday's podcast, it's not like Rishi Sunak's philosophical approach to this is necessarily that much more consistent when it comes to the VAT U-turn. Well, I was a bit more sympathetic on that VAT U-turn because I do think there's a difference between a very temporary tax cut that you can cost and long-term tax cuts that you're just saying, you know, you're going to borrow for. Rishi Sunak has taken that much more difficult approach of saying, I'm not going to do all these tax cuts right away because I don't think it's responsible. It isn't obviously working out for him in the polls, not yet. And I do think we're starting to see some things that might look like U-turns. The VAT cut was very surprised by his housing comments today about mm-hmm. the Green Belt. And, uh, you know, I think that's speaking to how the campaign's going. But when it comes to consistency, I and, you know, I really want tax cuts, but when it comes to consistency, I think he um, he arguably has the upper hand at the moment. All right, James, and moving away from the conservative side of things, you can always count on Labour to have some kind of infighting going on, even when the media attention is not on them. Tell us about this argument happening over this former shadow transport minister. Yeah, I had thought that all Labour needed to do this summer was kind of just sit back, clip these videos that they're doing quite effectively <laughs> of the Tory candidate saying that, you know, describing the problems with the country and you know which obviously is a slight issue for them which is the Tories have been in government for 12 years and they've um, been in those governments and, and, and so but but no Labour have now chosen to have their own row so Sam Tarry was uh, a member of the Labour shadow transport team he is also very close to Angela Rayner the Labour deputy leader 
And two days ago, he appeared on a picket line with the RMT and also gave some media interviews from there in which he kind of suggested essentially the strike would not be happening under Labour because Labour would have offered a more generous settlement to RMT members. Now, Kirsten had not repeated this, but he had previously made clear that he did not want Mm -hmm. Labour MPs going out and joining the picket line on on his argument is Labour should be behaving now as if they were in... As, it, as they would in government, and governments don't do that. They don't join picket lines. So Sam Tarry was sacked yesterday, but not sacked for standing on a picket line, but sacked for making an unauthorised media appearance, because you know, normally when, when frontmen politicians appear on the media, they're meant to kind of clear it all up. At which point Sam Tarry then said, and I think there's, an, there's clearly an element here that Sam Tarry was kind of not entirely unhappy to be sacked then basically said that the trade union movement were very upset by this he said seven general general secretaries have been in touch with him and, and there is clearly disquiet in labor about this question about sacking him and i think it is a preview of this of discussion to come which is there are going to be more industrial action because inflation is so high right now. You're going to have a situation where public sector unions are going to demand big pay rises for their staff and arguing essentially that this is what they need to keep up with inflation. The government, we know, is very reluctant mm-hmm. to, to agree to that. If you think back to which debate was it? Uh, so many. They all blur together. No, no. Uh, <laughs> all the Tory candidates essentially agreed they want to leave this to the salary, independent salary yeah. review body. Yeah. And, and those are basically suggesting around 5% pay rises, which is obviously less than the current rate of inflation. So I, I think the question is, how does Labour handle this mm. over the summer? And I think some people on the Labour side feel like that, you know, Starmer is not quite reading this right, that there's more public sympathy, uh, and there'll be particularly be public sympathy for kind of nurses, for example, and so that they shouldn't have this kind of blanket position. He has slightly moved away from the kind of blanket position, talking about a kind of case-by-case basis. He'll make his mind up on on this. But I think it is I think it is a sign that even though the Tories have been knocking seven bells out of each other for, for several weeks now, there are still tensions in Labour. And I think there is a there is a a broader problem for Keir Starmer, which is he won the Labour leadership on a on, on a prospectus that you could say was essentially a suggestion to, that he was going to keep, keep Corbynite policy, mm. but not bring in Jeremy Corbyn's baggage or yeah. his views on foreign policy and the like. But you know, all the big stuff on nationalisations and things like that he would keep. He has basically now moved away from that, uh, trying to use COVID as a kind of reason why these things can no longer apply. And there is there is still resistance in the party to that, still resistance to the idea of moving away from from, from these policies of nationalisation. And so, so I think even though I think the, the Tory tensions will dominate over the summer, keep an eye on this, on, on this Labour story, the, the, this, the, this issue here, and what it says about, has Keir Starmer essentially by sacking Sam Tarry? Well, well, yes, some people will complain, but people will mm-hmm. get the message. Or are you going to see more front benches being prepared to essentially do something they know that Keir Starmer wouldn't approve of in the way that Sam Tarry did? But James, just, just briefly and finally, I mean, could Keir Starmer be playing a more of a long-term game here at a time when uh, the Conservatives look to be uh, electing someone who's not pleasing to swing voters, according to some polls. Keir Starmer's being more in the centrist view by not being super hard left in supporting the strikes and the unions and therefore carving that position out for himself. So I think Keir Starmer's view essentially is if we appear on a picket line, 
we scare the horses. We scare Middle England people think, oh, I'm not sure about that. And, and that is the, the political calculation he is taking. I, I think that the criticism of him on some of the Labour Party is, well, you know, what do you stand for if you don't stand for public sector workers arguing for a pay rise in line with inflation? What, what kind of what's the point of a Labour Party? That kind of existential question you get into. But I think I think ultimately, if you are Keir Starmer, you are pro- you are probably relatively happy of your political position in overall terms because uh, I've never seen that for a long time. But it's him and Liz Trust go at this uh, over the summer. They can't avoid having a fundamental debate about economic policy because they have different views on on the question but that means that although this Tory leadership contest will take up a lot of oxygen it will which is always the danger for the opposition in the leadership contest which when the governing party has a leadership contest which is it can't get noticed it also will expose these Tory divisions and fault lines and so you know, and I think Stalin will hope that he can benefit from that. Kate and James, thanks very much and thank you very much for listening at home and do remember to go on Coffee House for our latest analysis. A Spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited.